the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol served as past chair of the Board of Directors for the National Council on Aging. She's a member of the Ray's Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services. Carol has a master's degree in social gerontology, nearly 30 years experience in the field of aging and caregiving. And she was one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging. And Carol, interesting topic uh, we touched on this during a Take 10 with Dr. Jimmy Heisman recently. We're going to talk about therapy and self-care and trauma for caregivers. You know, trauma is the big theme. In the race conversations, we talked about a lot about trauma-informed care. Uh, and so a lot of us don't know that language. We don't, we've experienced it and we don't even know what we're talking about. So that's why we're excited uh, to have Monica Escamilla join us today to talk about this. Well, Monica has a doctorate in psychology. She's a family psychologist for the Holly Trauma Rehabilitation Center in San Antonio. Uh, her interest in working with family caregivers began in graduate school under the tutelage of Dr. Sharon Lewis, who we have interviewed here on Caregiver SOS on air. She developed programs to address the unique stressors of caregivers. And Monica Escamilla, thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS on air. Great to have you with us. Well, thank you to have me. This is an important topic. Well, what was your interest in caregiving and trauma? Well, we can be say that the amount of demands and responsibilities of a caregiver, because they are so jarring to the lifestyle that a, that a person had before, that can be quite traumatic. Um, not to mention the folded in grief and frustrations and worries that they carry day to day and making sure they're doing a good job for their loved one. All of that can be quite traumatic for a caregiver. And of course, no one's really prepared. Well, few are really prepared to become caregivers. It often just happens, right? Yeah. Usually you get just kind of jump in the deep end of things with this. You know, you're your love for your loved one, the deep care that you want to provide, it makes you want to step up and take care of them. And you're taking on the job of what typically will be a team of people doing, right? You're helping to coordinate medical care, you're managing medications, you're adapting a lifestyle between medication management, coordinating with family and visitations, you know, for them to to have a social life outside of, of everything that is day to day, it's, it's just a lot of responsibilities to take on and you wanna do the very best job. It's just a naturally stressful situation. So what do you tell people? I mean, you just had a long laundry list of things that do happen all of a sudden when you become a caregiver. 
What do we say to caregivers who, as they struggle through this laundry list? Oh my gosh, that is, that's a book in itself, I would say. There's a lot to address, right? But I think in the very beginning, probably you need to validate the fact that this is a stressful situation, that there is grief mixed in with that and allow the person to just kind of come to that um, in their time. You build things like coping strategies, but also problem-solving strategies. You need many tools um, in your toolbox for a situation like this because you're not going to use the same strategy all the time. One of the things that I like to address is talking about the difference between emotion-focused coping versus problem-focused coping. You know, one set of skills is, is good for this, and the other set of skills is more effective in situations where communication and problem solving get to a resolution. So it's important to talk about those things. But I think core to all of this is talking about processing that grief that comes along, seeing your loved one struggle. And even when you do your very best on that day, you may still have some challenges and feel like you could have done better. That chronic stress, that chronic grief and loss also needs to be addressed in care. It's interesting. We haven't really talked about that much on Caregiver SOS on air. We've talked about grief after someone passes or the grieving while someone struggles with Alzheimer's. But what you're suggesting is uh, seeing, a, especially a loved one needing help, brings out certain responses in you that have nothing to do with caregiving. They have to do with you as a person. Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring that up. It is such a um, different kind of grief experience you know, when you're caring for somebody that in some ways you're, you're kind of slowly losing their identity right and there's a term for this it's called ambiguous loss and that can be when the person is physically present but psychologically absent or psychologically present but physically absent in the case of somebody that goes missing or is kidnapped and the like for our caregivers their loved one is very physically present but they're not psychologically present. So it's hard to grieve when I have you here still with me. And at the same time, you almost feel guilt for feeling like you're grieving that because I should be grateful that I have you. Um, so it really puts you in this odd place where, where grieving is difficult. For those of you who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking about caregivers and needing therapy to deal with the kind of trauma that they face and how they provide self-therapy. Monica Escamilla, our special guest, she is a, a psychologist, doctor in psychology, and provides family therapy and counseling. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is here as well. So, Monica, do uh, people who are in that caregiving world, do they know the kinds of issues they're facing? Are they aware of both that grieving and trauma they're experiencing? I think to a degree, they're so busy kind of putting their head down and getting through the day, you know, kind of you move into survival mode because there's so much that you need to stay on top of. You're managing somebody else's life along with all the demands that are already in your life to begin with. So just surviving day to day, it's, it's hard to step back and see the big picture or how things are starting to impact you. And stress can be so insidious that you don't even notice it creeping up until suddenly, you know, you finally do make it to your medical appointment and you realize you have high blood pressure or you're, you have this chronic sleep insomnia issues that you're developing or you're suddenly the perception of pain 
is worse. But we almost don't notice it until we hit that really high um, pain or discomfort. Like it, it almost doesn't register until it gets that high. Unless, of course, you've developed a really supportive social group where you can talk about these things, feel like you're being heard, share these distressful things. And I think that's why we make the point that self-care and, and attending to your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional well-being is not a luxury. It's vital to this role. Well, I heard you talk about different types of coping strategies, and one was emotional. So what does that mean? Great question. So when we're talking about emotion-focused coping, these are situations where you feel like the issue that is causing you stress, you really have no control over it. And what you're hoping to do is to build your tolerance for being able to get through that difficult moment. It's more about feeling okay with that stress level. You know, so these would be things like meditation, moving or, or looking to your faith, going for a walk, um, talking with others. It's, it's more about a temporary relief of that pressure that you're feeling caused by that stress. That's emotional focus coping. And what was the other kind that you mentioned? The other one is problem-focused coping. And this is for situations when you do feel like there is some control that you have over this situation. You're trying in this, you're not just trying to tolerate the stressor, but you're trying to address what is causing that stress. So in this situation, what you'd be doing instead would be problem-solving skills, developing communication skills, you want to confront the root of the stress problem, whether it's resolving a misunderstanding or coming to a meeting in the middle with somebody um, about uh, a particular issue. Is there a gender difference in how uh, we approach caregiving? As I hear you talk about problem-solving caregiving, I think of a guy who says, I need to fix this. Let me fix this. And the emotional part being a woman. Am I off base? Oh, I, I think that we are socialized into these roles, definitely. And there are natural tendencies to be more emotion-focused versus um, more problem-focused. Um, I think it is definitely issues of culture, you know, and, and also kind of what we see as we grow up and what it, how we are raised and what we see our family members doing. Um, but it can also be that we've never been taught these strategies or interventions and, and don't know there's a different way to address this. Yeah, I think that with the, you know, what you've described and, and I know my own experience in counseling, it's is sort of um, lining up or putting tools in your toolbox before you need them. So practicing, you know, thinking about being in a difficult situation where you don't have control or it's an emotional trigger and it hits you every time or talking about a particular problem, if you've talked about it and thought about how you could respond or what you might offer as a solution ahead of time, you don't get that, that rush of finding an answer off the top of your head, rushing into things, light shining in your face, um, or having a catastrophic reaction. Absolutely. I think because when you're in the thick of it, right, in, in the most, the apex of that stressful situation, it's really hard to think. So having a way or a decision tree to figure out which strategy, which intervention is best is important. Having a plan is a great thing. But when you and, first and go into caregiving, you may not 
have a plan or know you need a plan. Right. Right. You just kind of jump in. So we do what we know. Right. And I think one thing that's really helpful is when you realize you're you're kind of in deep, like when you start having all of these symptoms and things come up and you start looking for help. I think that's why it's so important to be able to inform caregivers of the help that is out there and available to them and where they can go to to ask these kinds of questions and seek support. Um, I think, yeah, resources is, is really where, where we need to start. And so many times our caregivers will come to us and uh, caregiver SOS and say, I don't even know what questions to ask. Um, and so, you know, just acknowledging that there's a big, wide, wide open space in front of somebody and deciding where do you, where's the ground you want to stand on? Because as caregivers, that's what we all want. We want someplace that's safe where we can plant our feet and then work through the issues that we need to work on. We're going to fertilize those seeds in just a moment and figure out where to go and what the questions might be. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Dr. Monica Escamilla, a clinical psychologist who deals with caregivers and self-care and trauma. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. It's just around the corner, and I'm talking about the Caregiver Summit, Caregiver Wellness, Mind, Body, and Spirit, coming your way on November 10th and 17th this year. The summit offers attendees a virtual or in-person attendance. All of that's available at no cost. Folks can join us and register for the summit at wellmedcharitablefoundation.org slash summit or call 866-390-6491. 866-390-6491. Join us for the annual Caregiver Summit. Hello, friend. We're so pleased you're sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with Monica Escamilla. She is a clinical psychologist, and we're talking about caregivers, self-care, and therapy, and when they need all of that and more. And Monica, it might be helpful if you can help us with a little decision tree. How do you approach caregiving? Where do you go? What are the questions you ask? And where do you get answers? Yeah, so we were talking earlier about how to manage the stress of all of this. And sometimes when you don't know what to do, you need some kind of a a guide to determine which is the best strategy and intervention um, to just think through things. So first of all, you know, it's deciding whether this issue that's in front of me, do I have control over this or do I not have control over this? If you feel like you do not have control over this, then the most effective strategy for you is going to be an emotion Focus strategy. So that would be ways that you can manage the emotional reaction to that stressor. Meditation, spirituality, having a good social support uh, will be beneficial. If you do feel like you have some control over this, we go on the other arm of this decision tree and decide what part of this can I address? Do I need to address this with communication skills, active listening skills, or problem solving with this individual so we can brainstorm a way to meet in the middle? and then address the root cause of that stressor. That's the other arm. There are going to be situations where you're going to want to use a combination of both. And I'll give you an example. Say that you're, you know, taking care of of your dad or your husband, and suddenly you get into a difference of opinion about X situation. 
you may need to, before you address the issue, kind of gather yourself and kind of get a cool head to phrase things the way they are in here, not necessarily the way they come out. So to have your kind of cool head and be able to phrase things appropriately, you may need to use emotion-focused strategies just to calm down and gather your thoughts. And once you're there, then I can address the problem, move to problem-focused strategies, and use my communication skills to talk about that difference of opinion. That's when you would use a combination of both. But, you know, if you have a flat tire on the road, then that's pretty problem-focused. We have a problem to address. I can fix it. Let's get to it, right? If I'm having a terrible day and I'm just worn out and stressed and I just need to have a really, really good release of that, um, either through prayer or through crying, that's an emotion-focused strategy you're going to want to use. How do you know when you need help and where do you go for help? So hopefully. Um, these the, your medical providers should be able to track on some of these things. I think hopefully by now we're paying a lot more attention, not just to our patient, but to the persons that are taking care of our patients. And I have gotten referrals in the past for family therapy and family psychology from physicians that noticed that the caregiver was stressed out, exhausted, and not doing a good job taking care of themselves. And so sometimes that comes directly from, from your physician, right? You take your loved one in and you say, by the way, I'm, I'm really needing some help. Um, there are several programs that are dedicated to caregiver respite, either to connect you with groups where you can join in and talk about these stressors, or you can find out about more resources, education, research on the field. Information is an incredibly good tool for reducing stress. Once you know what's in front of you and what's out there to help you, you do a lot better. Um, and of course, having an, a ready access toolbox, like was mentioned earlier about things that I can try to see if they help me, um, that's also highly beneficial. Well, Monica, I have to ask you because I know that you work with Dr. Sharon Lewis, who is uh, you know, our, our friend and developed, helped develop the, uh, well, she developed the stress busting program for family caregivers that we offer. Um, there's a lot in our stress busting program and you've been a part of that. Um, you know, what, why is it important to reduce stress? Why is that a negative? Um, and why does it have such a terrible impact on our lives? It was wonderful to work under Sharon Lewis. I learned so much and it was a privilege to work with caregivers. I it have, I think I mentioned before, it is really not a luxury. It is vital to the caregiver role to manage the stress because of the impact it can have on your health. Decades of research has shown us that high levels of stress, especially chronic stress, which is what caregivers live with day to day, can have a direct impact on your health. I mean, we're talking things that suppress your immune system's ability to fight off, you know, a disease. And gosh, that's a really concern right now. It impacts car cardiovascular health. It impacts um, your perception of pain, making it difficult to get through things. And because you have your perception of pain is bigger, you're probably not sleeping as well, and your mind's racing with all these thoughts and concerns all night. So you either develop insomnia or you have problems falling asleep or staying asleep. And we all know that we want to get a good night's sleep. We are really having a difficult time the next day. And of course, our mood is not going to be the best. So when you put all those things together, it really impairs your ability to provide the kind of care that, that you want to provide. Um, if the caregiver doesn't do well, 
then the person they're caring for is their care is also going to be impaired because you can't you can't give what you don't have, right? So for that reason, it is vital that they care themselves. And we know that some caregivers uh, self-medicate, move to alcohol or uh, prescription drugs in order to deal with their stress and, and their feelings. It has to be very counterproductive to them. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think for many reasons, when we are in an extreme stressful situation, we tend to do either we do what we know or we do what works in that moment because it's so overwhelming. Some of this coping um, strategies can be very maladaptive um, in that they address the problem on the short term, but long term they create a whole myriad of other problems that make their ability to function extremely difficult. Um, they already have enough on their plate. The last thing we want to do is, is add more, right? Um, and so it's, when you have multiple people that you can talk to about how you're coping and how you're dealing, you can try and know what those red flags are when you're starting to use maladaptive coping strategies. Now, is age a factor in how a caregiver adjusts? Uh, we see more and more caregivers who may be younger dealing with uh, aging parents. We see older caregivers uh, dealing with their spouses. Uh, is there a difference in their ability to give care? What an interesting question. Um, you know, what I am finding in, in the research is indicating um, is that younger caregivers, actually, their stress is higher and they have a harder time coping. And older caregivers actually do better as far as managing. Now, that might be an effect of, of experience, of kind of having a wider view on things, of a built-in social network. It could be a number of factors. Um, but you're right. I think there is, the trend is is changing slightly, and in particular in the area that I work in, polytrauma, because of traumatic brain injuries caused by motorcycle vehicles, car accidents, you know, firefights, self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Pick your traumatic brain injury here. Our caregivers are by and large younger. You know, they tend to be um, spouses or, or mom and dads so or very young active duty. Yeah, and Carol, and I, I could feel you smiling when I asked about the difference between younger and older caregivers. Well, that you know, I, I was thinking of Dr. Lewis again in her original research with the stress busting program did show that children care, you know, the, the children as a caregiver for their parents versus the spouse came in with more stress and their stress came back more quickly. And I was thinking that what Monica mentioned when she first started talking about it is the disruption in life. And so you kind of have an expectation or you're thinking about how your life is going to be when you are a young or middle-aged adult. And then all of a sudden you get blindsided by this huge disruption. You're trying to raise your own kids. Now mom and dad are sick, you know, versus a spouse who's who's more of a cohort group, right? They, they understand their friends around them may be experiencing caregiving. So it's, it's very disruptive. And that uh, is, is a huge increase in stress. And Monica, are there folks who just really can't do caregiving? Do you find in your work as a therapist that sometimes uh, you say, you know, we need to bring other people in to do this? That is a difficult conversation to have because their heart is 100% in it. You know, they want to be able to provide this care. But for, it could be a number of reasons, their own medical health, their own um, mental health issues, this current stresses, their experiences, or just the physicality of being a caregiver is beyond what they can offer. 
we have to have these difficult conversations of either folding in other family members, looking at placement or other kind of, you know, home care for that family member because they just physically, emotionally or mentally can't do it. It's not because they don't want to. It's just beyond their limit. And you've had those situations. Yes, we've had. They're not. They don't happen often. Um, and often they really have to. How don't want to use the word um, like pushed. Uh, but they really. You, you really want to see the bigger picture on things where in the long term this is really what is best for their loved one because of the amount of care that this person needs. Got about a minute left, and, and let's go back to the beginning if we can, Monica. When you find yourself suddenly a caregiver, what's your best advice for that individual? My best advice is seek care and support early. Learn about your resources that are out there. Develop a strong support system that can help you and make self-care a priority. Um, So you can do this for a long time and do it without cost to your health. And Carol, you might mention Caregiver SOS as a resource. Absolutely. When you were talking about resources, go to caregiversos.org. You'll find our caregiver teleconnection calendar with lots of education and opportunities to interact. You'll find our stress busting program uh, where you can learn those coping strategies. And there's no cost. And all at no cost uh, with the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Well, Monica Escamilla, we thank you so much for being with us. Monica is deeply involved in family psychological work, and we appreciate your time. For our co-host, Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.